0: Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast, where this episode we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, dad.
1: Welcome to the Diecast Movie Podcast. My name is Steven and the podcast does two main types of episodes. One is interviews and the other is where a dies cast to decide the genre in the movie that we are going to discuss. Today I'm going to be interviewing part of the cast and director of the movie Todd Tarantula, So we're going to be having Ansel Farage, the director, writer, producer, who's been working on this film for 12 years. Kelly Kitko, formerly Kelly Aaron Decker. I'll be interviewing her again. She has her full interview in an earlier episode on the Diecast Movie Podcast that you can go back to and listen to. And we're also going to be interviewing the star of the movie, Ethan Walker, who plays Todd Tarantula. And I hope everybody enjoys it. Also, just let everybody know... Two episodes ago in episode 150, David Selby, who also co-stars in this movie, talks about Todd Tarantula and other parts of his career. That's my second interview with David Selby. If you want to hear the first interview, go all the way back to episode 30, and you can hear his first one. But if you want to hear his thoughts about this movie, just go back two episodes earlier. Um, Upcoming episodes we'll be doing. Next episode is going to be... I'll be joined by Jeff Owens from the Classic Cars Club podcast. We're going to be reviewing the movie Todd Tarantula. And then after that, another co-star in the movie, Douglas Ames, is going to be joining us to to talk about the movie and other things that he's done in his career. So I hope everybody enjoys these upcoming episodes. One thing I do want to note, when we did this interview, the movie was only available for rent at Vimeo. But now it is also available on Tubi for free with ads. So you can either go ad-free and pay the rental fee for on Vimeo, or you can go straight to Tubi and watch it with the ads and support Ansel that way. Hope everybody enjoys the show. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the DieCast Movie Podcast. And we have a special episode today where I'm going to be joined with the cast and director of the latest movie, Todd Tarantula from Ansel Farage, the director, writer, producer, and dot, 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 a whole bunch of other hats. He wears a ton of them. I'm also joined by Kelly Kitko, who's one of the regulars of Ansel's films in many of his different productions, and making his film debut, Ethan Walker, who plays Todd Tarantula. How are you guys all doing today?
2: Good. Thank That's
0: you for good. having us here. Thank you so much. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm just glad we were able to do all this and I was able to see a preview copy of Um Todd Tarantula recently and I really enjoyed it. It kind of a little bit, it reminded me a lot of a, a, a Scanner Darkly with how it was done film-wise. When I was watching I was like, "Oh, the way you were going for it. And Ansel, so I think were you inspired by that or was it just by happenstance?"
2: Uh, no, I mean Scanner Darkly, that the the uh the rotoscope aesthetic that that had was always something that I wanted to bring to Todd Tarantula. Todd Tarantula, when I first started like writing it, um, the the Japanese um, anime Akira was like a huge influence, and I always dreamt that this would be some kind of like cartoon adult animation thing. And uh, uh, I can't draw, so rotoscope seemed like the best kind of route to take. And also, it it, it lends itself well with the the drug fueled nature of the whole story of like just the heightened reality we're not in the real los angeles we're in this larger than life colorful cartoon land yes
1: yeah so sort of like a cool world mixed in with um yeah scanner darkly and uh it also reminds me of the old lord of the rings where a rotoscope ralph
2: baski yeah um, yeah the road he did rotoscope too yeah that 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 sort of like there's a texture to it, like a, a, a handmade um, feeling to it. And and rather than a, a very perfect computerized um, uh, style. Uh, so I wanted that, to, I wanted it to feel like dirty and gritty and, and handmade. Well.
1: And I'm, I'm going to ask Kelly this first and even you're going to get the same question. So when you're acting in that, knowing you're going to be rotoscoped, um, how, how was it when you're trying to do your performance? I know, Kelly, you've done many films before, and um, Ethan, this is your first one. So, to you, it's mm-hmm. always been this way, I guess. But,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but well, well but-
0: in terms of the rotoscope, I would say I didn't have that really in my mind at all because I-, I knew that it would happen, but I also didn't know the extent to which. Because, you know, Ansel did, I, I want to say, 14 or 15 different rotoscope trials that each rendered a different look. So it was like I couldn't go in knowing how the finished product would be because he had so much artistic control over the end product. So I just kind of did what I did and acted with Ethan and knew that someday it would look a little bit different, but I wasn't quite sure how.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and jumping off of that, when I came into it, I mean, I think you need to be aware of the kind of film that you're making and you just have to trust the director, Ansel's, vision and his process and he would direct me if I was doing things too minimalistic or if I was being too large. And you know, I came from a background of theater. So a lot of that larger than life kind of comes natural. But I was also trying to find a balance because I knew the camera catches every little detail. So it was it was kind of just a collaborative process of making sure that I didn't do things too large, but that I still had enough nuance that it would be caught by the camera if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But
1: yeah. Yeah, because I will say, comparing the two, the two movies, The Scanner Darkly was way more um, rotoscoped in animation. And this one, you're able to see more of the actors' performances, with just, as Ansel said, that height in reality giving you that look. Um, you're in a different place. You know, you're not in Kansas, so to speak.
2: <laughs> the one thing I did, I did sort of tell everybody was you have to remember we are making a cartoon, so kind of think along those lines and. And maybe push yourself just like a half an inch more with your performance. Do a little bit more with your face and stuff because the rotoscope would pick up, uh, dip, you know, movements and, and layers of color and, and whatnot. But, um, I mean, it wasn't like a motion capture experience where, where, where you know, there's nothing around everybody and they're all in leotards with dots on them and, you know, instead of an actual mountaintop in, in 100 degrees.
0: Is that that next, next, Ansel, we have to wear leotards with motion capture? Um, You you, you need to give me advance warning to get in shape for that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think we all need advance warning for that.
1: (laughs) A lot of ping pong balls in your future, Kelly. I can see it
4: now. That and hot (laughs) yoga. That and hot yoga.
1: (laughs) Now. Ansel, how did you, I know you and Kelly have worked many times before, so you, she's one of your regulars, and you have a lot of other regulars in the cast, which we'll get to in a minute, but how did you find Ethan? You know, because this is his first film, with his first film overall. How did you go about discovering him?
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, well, uh, I mean, to also, like, uh, amend your, your introductory statement, Kelly not only is one of the lead players in the film, she's also the primary producer, and, and so she constantly kicked my ass into shape and said, you want to make it good? We're going to make it better. And this is how we're going to do it. So Kelly. (laughs) And And one of those
0: ways
4: was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And
2: uh, she still is giving me, but anyway, um, so Kelly and I, we, we uh, held a a casting uh, process and there was uh, Kelly, how many, how many players? Uh, You know, we,
0: we put out um, a casting notice on, yes.
2: She, she played a game with me. We have this weird thing where it's always like, <laughs> yes, how much this is, and guess who this was this? So she's like, how many actors do you think have, have submitted for Todd Tarantula? And this was like the night that we posted. It was like, what, three hours into the posting?
4: Yeah. And I'm like,
2: 15? <laughs> And the number was, like, what, like, already?
0: I don't remember how many it was at that point. I just know when, you know, within 24 hours, I want to say we had over 1,200 submissions for the role of Todd alone. Yeah. And so at that point, it's, you know, looking at everybody's – real. I mean, casting, it takes a tremendous amount of time because even if you think about – I'm going to look at everybody's reel. Maybe I'm only going to look at a minute of it. If I've got 1,200 to look at and I'm going to invest a minute in each person, I can't do the math that fast, but it it takes a tremendous amount of time. So we extended invitations to um, over 100 actors to actually submit a self-tape with the sides and ethan was one of those and uh you know i don't want to like chop him up too much but I, I remember when we saw his audition and you know you're doing a self-tape like in your apartment with with no one else there and no props and no nothing to kind of help you know inform your performance and ansel i remember at the time he was like this is a young matt damon <laughs> yeah 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 tell
3: us to here a matt damon yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, i remember i remember the first time that i i met with ansel and i came in person and i was wearing like my my usual attire and like my i was clean cut and all of that and i show up looking like matt damon you know from the town <laughs> and ansel's immediate reaction was oh we have to change this
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but in in terms of the audition you know we we had a number of good auditions but there were a number of factors that had to be weighed as to like who was Todd and you know one of those was this guy has to be strong enough in personality to play opposite David because David is going to be a very strong character The, the, the actor can't just be this young guy who gets overwhelmed or eaten up by David so there, there were a lot of considerations, and just in terms of like style and personality and charisma, and you know what he was able to convey in that self tape. You know, Ethan, Ethan was the one.
2: Yeah, I watched. I watched the, like six hundred and fifty tapes. I mean, I know Kelly didn't watch all of them, but I did for all of Todd And um, he just had this like, he got this like Los Angeles, especially if you've grown up in Los Angeles. There is this strange attitude of. I hate to say, like, smarminess and phoniness, but, like, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean that in a good way. And everybody else was just playing him as, like, a grunt and just sort of very flat. And, like, Ethan got this, like, cat-like thing that was going on. And, and I was like, I could see that going against what David Shelby is going to bring as, as the big bad. And um, and so we, we still kept narrowing it down. I'm like, no, 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 this, this is the guy. And,
0: um, and uh, so- I'm also going to point out that in Ansel's description right there, including smarmy and fake and whatever he said, Ansel's the only native Angelino like on this panel right yeah. now, even if <laughs> I are yeah. both from other places. So yeah. Ansel's the only one who might naturally embody the spirit that he just described. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, that's why we work in Hollywood. Yes,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, he he had it, and uh, I met with him, and yes, he became a bit flashy. I'll use that description, and I was like, "Uh, okay, I gotta, we gotta dirty him up. <laughs> He's got to be more rugged and and less pristine." Matt Damon, talented Mister Ripley, but he had he got the the mentality and the the I remember something I was asking because we narrowed it down to three guys, and I would always just try to get a gauge of, of um, who you are as a as a moviegoer. So I'd be like, "What's what are your three favorite movies?" And one of the movies he mentioned was Apocalypse Now. And when I first uh, was writing Todd Tarantula, there was a, a, a film noir esque voiceover by Todd, and he was like telling us, you know, what he's going through, and it was very much Martin Sheen and Apocalypse Now. So that also was like a big click. I was like, okay,
4: there's got to be some kind of screws loose under those yeah. Matt Damon veneer. The and, the, and there are, yes. <laughs> you know, taught, but so, but that's,
0: we'll, then, we'll tap and, into every childhood trauma you have, Ethan. It's fine.
3: <laughs> and all of them got put into the film. No, I'm kidding.
0: But Just, just some of them. Five of them. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But no, I remember in that same interview that the three of us had, um, you asked me like a story about my time in LA and I was pretty fresh off the boat here in LA and have only been here for a couple of months. And one of the first things that happened to me when I came out here is I had my car stolen out of my gated garage and I didn't know like the the specs of the film or anything like that, but uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but the, the film kind of starts off with a similar story. So it was kind of mirroring images. And I was like, well, you know, if it's meant to be, it is meant to
1: be. <laughs> I, I don't think you're spoiling it because it is in the um, description of the movie that's out
3: there. Yeah, it, it, that, it, that launches into it. That the- and,
0: <laughs> and it's the opening scene, so I think it's yeah. okay. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we're okay. But
3: I don't want to be Tom Holland over here giving away every detail. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Well, that, that's we're, That's why I just hit mute you, you know, and we just we just take because <laughs> Anton, yep. and I already have a signal set up ahead of time, and if he gives a certain signal, I have to hit the mute button. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that, that's funny because that's what he does to all of us on set anyway. I was going
2: to say, yeah, he did that for he's giving a bad performance. So. I'm always directing, you
1: know. Exactly. He, he can't help it. It's it's what it, it's his calling, so he has to do it. So it's just you know. Well, you got to be you.
4: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Now, Ethan, I got to ask you this because being your first movie and you're working mm-hmm. with a lot, a lot of people that are veteran actors and it's already been brought up about David Selby as Lucifer gray. And he is mm-hmm. so deliciously evil with his performance. I mean, what was it like working with somebody who's done just about everything in theater, audio um, TV movies. I mean, he's, his, his list is incredible.
3: Oh yes, absolutely. I was thrilled and honored to work with him. I I will admit there were quite a few nerves going into the first day working with him because I had never met him in person before. And Ansel did that on purpose because you know, it's the first time our characters come together and uh, you kind of want to have a bit of that unfamiliarity. Um, but I don't know, just diving in. And there was so much, I think, chemistry right off the bat. I want to say it. And it was fun just to work along him. And he gave me so much that it inv- invigorated me to give a better performance just to meet him at the level that he was at. But, you know, he, you sit down with him and he's the kindest guy. He's amazing to work with. He's so humble. And he'll talk to you for hours about his life and stories that he has. And he's just a great, great guy.
1: Oh, that he is, and so Ansel. I know from talking with um, Doug, who plays Ethan's father. You also kept him away until yeah. there, until. <laughs> did you get to meet any of the other actors before their scenes with him? <laughs>
2: uh, well, yeah. I mean, Kelly and Nate, kind of. Yeah, um, but yeah, I totally did, and even even um, on Doug's first day on on set, um, he was getting ready. We'll say without spoiling anything. And Ethan is there and there's like, the only thing that's a barrier is like a curtain. And we had to go to another stage to film this other shot. And I'm like, I've got my jacket up in front of Ethan. I'm like, you're not going to look at him. You're not going to talk to him. You <laughs> will not have to to him. I'll just go to town to the lambs. And, and until they did their first scene, because yeah, I wanted, they, there's a, a distance between Todd and his father in the film. And uh, I wanted that to happen naturally and i wanted uh ethan and doug to like have this sort of like they're strangers in, in their first um encounter and uh and yeah plus i don't know i gotta interesting myself somehow on a, on a film set that i'm paying for <laughs> while I'm waiting to go shoot and uh yeah but, well you uh, met
0: he met britney too ahead of time didn't he
2: yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so uh,
0: the the characters that made sense to me, the ones with whom he had a history, you know, he yeah. could meet to work out. And, and he, uh, he couldn't help but meet me ahead of time, just the yeah. nature of the production. But um, yeah.
2: Yeah, we did, we met uh, we met with um, Brittany, who plays uh, his ex girlfriend Andromeda, and we met at the library Tar because that was kind of integral to their their backstory, and. Uh, Yes, I totally forgot that. We were, We were in the middle of filming by then, so it's like, oh, yeah, we we're oh yeah, on set.
3: I still had a million questions at that point that
2: I was running past you until I remember that. But. <laughs>
3: well, what was that? I still had a million questions that I was running past you because we yeah, were, yeah, yeah. like, three days into filming or something like that, and I remember you were just getting to the point where you're like, oh, my gosh, shut not- up.
4: No, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, this is his first movie, and... Uh, even like when, we, when he and I sat down and I was talking to, you know, talented Mr. Ripley, uh, he had the script and he had it like, he'd already had, had worked out quite a bit. And um, so we had, he and I mapped out his character arc and, and discussed very intricately the whole character, the whole world of, of this film. I've been working on this thing uh, for like almost 12 years now. So I had a lot to regurgitate out at him. And... Uh, Yeah, so so over the course of filming, Ethan would keep asking me things, and and the further along we got into filming, uh, the (laughs) the less I would respond to him and just (laughs) give him a cold shoulder and just like flat out (laughs) ignore him at times because I'm like, I want him to be confused, I want him to feel uncertain and insecure, and that's exactly what Todd needs to be feeling. And um, and plus, I knew he knew what the hell he was going to do. He he, uh, there's there's you know there's only so much directing you can give before it's like, you're going to talk yourself into a, uh, into a ball and, and not be able to give anything because you're going to be thinking of 50 million different things. So it's just, uh, I need to learn that of just trust your own instinct. And I will tell you in the take, if you're doing it right or wrong and I will make you do it over and over as I've made him do several mm-hmm. things over and over. But, um, but that's great. I mean, that's, I'd rather have that as an actor than just somebody that won't take direction and is just being a dick and, and won't, you know, thinks that they've already, you know, I mean, like David Shelby has done a lot, but there's a, there's no divaness. There's no, you know, I'm above it all because I've done it all. And so I, I love that. I mean, I, that just makes the job easier for everybody when you're, I feel like that whole sentence, I was making sense when I just, I went
4: I, <laughs> I <ran> off
1: track. Oh, <laughs> well, no, no. It made, it made sense. And, and for listeners, if you go back to two episodes prior to this, you'll get to hear my interview with David Selby talking about being inside tarantulas and besides other things. So you can go back, if you had not heard that episode yet, go back and you can hear his perspective from his you know his point of view. And he's just, I interviewed him once before and the second time he's such a nice guy as you guys have said he's just so down to earth and it's just amazing when you get to talk with him but who came up with the cane was it you ansel or you kelly that 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 glorious cane, which people can see in the picture behind me you know it's just just amazing who who came up with that prop
2: i bought that i bought that years ago when i was because i've been trying to make this film for years and there's been several false starts and um uh, I've I've had that cane for eight years now. I had the I've had Todd's jacket for ten <laughs> years now. There's a couple things I've had I've just like been holding on
4: to.
0: And, um, and shockingly, whether or not Ethan could fit into the jacket wasn't a casting consideration. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll make him fit in. <laughs> yeah. No,
4: awesome.
0: I
2: I've, yeah I've had that cane. Uh, I mean the character of Lucifer originally uh, I when I started this. This journey was. I was writing it for Lyndon Childs and um, and Lyndon had had. He always wanted to play this very flamboyant and demonic <laughs> kind of guy, and so um, I, I, you know, I had the cane for him, and um, so it's just kind of carried along to to David holding it.
1: And who came up with the idea of, with his distinctive wardrobe? You know, it, you know, it's just, I just I he's, just love
2: it's that's again that's been in the in the there's a story behind it i i went and, uh i mean uh oh my god uh what's the electric like kool-aid acid test and you can never go home like tom Timothy
0: Leary?
4: Me
2: no Timothy Leary? Oh, no 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 no. the, the, the tom the journalist author i'm totally making a fool of myself right now tom's not tom ford that's costume designer um
4: i have no (laughs) idea what we're talking about he's a he's a southern
2: journalist
0: writer and he's always got a white truman capote no (laughs) he's a southern (laughs) writer you don't have to name a southern writer i i I I fulfilled my obligation let me check the
2: script i've got the script and i put it into the script (laughs) um oh my god this is most embarrassing moment in an interview
1: sadly we can't help you because we don't know (laughs)
4: Yeah, no, 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 no. Now, now we've got a cliffhanger here. Uh huh. Will he find it,
0: listeners? Oh man, he'll will find it. The an question is, will he find now. it before the time of the podcast ends? Tell Wolf. Oh, Tumble. oh Tumble. white suit. Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Sorry. Once, once I made this movie, I could, I,
2: I, I had a great release where I realized I never have to think about this film. Ever again. Like, I thought about it and obsessed over it for 12 years, and I just let it all go. So, you know, a year ago, I could have said Tom Wolf real fast, but now it's done. I I can't. But uh, Tom Wolf, I always I, I, I saw a photo of him in, in just this white suit and a white hat and looking very posh in the South. And I'm like, that's Lucifer. And I remember showing it to Linda, and he goes, Oh, yeah,
4: I want to <laughs> do that. And,
2: and he was going to have. And rings and tattoos and stuff, but then I, I toned it to down. The, the cane was enough. But uh, Lucifer's look, Todd's look, has always been like established. Um, originally, it was a short film, just between uh, a dialogue between Lucifer and Todd. And Todd was trapped in um, Westwood Village, which, if you're familiar with Los Angeles, that's where UCLA is based. And it's a very sort of small, strange college town with old movie theaters and uh, Todd was on a drug bender and he physically could not get out of Westwood Village in a sort of Louis Bunnell exterminating angel kind of sense and um, and then his friend Barracuda rolled in with a car and drove him away but you'd see Lucifer and Todd sitting on bus benches and stuff and they'd be in their white suit and Panama hat and leather jacket spider and shooting the shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long time ago and it's, it's changed since then but
0: well, speaking of Tom Wolfe and that like definitive look, I'll say something about Ansel as a director that relates to this. <laughs> this could be good or bad. Ansel's nervous. No. Um, there are some things that Ansel knows from the beginning and they are like immutable, like the white suit, the hat, that, like it was going to be that and there was going to be nothing else. No. And then there are other things on what, you know, like my costume. He's like, go off and do what you're going to do. And the first day that he saw it was the day that we were filming. So there are things about which he is like uber specific to the point of like infuriating me and other things that it's like, there's complete creative flexibility to go and and build this thing and, and have it exist as it would.
2: So And all of that does come, I mean, Kelly and I have worked together now for 10 years. So it's a lot of it. I know that she's, I can trust her and any idea that I might have, she's just going to make better. So it's like, she she's read the script we kind of have discussed the character let her just you know run wild and and um it'll be better than anything that i could spit out and uh but but that goes i guess that goes for several other characters too within the the film because each character like i said this is this is a a cartoon to a degree so everybody had a very specific style like we have uh, Jabez who's who's the mm-hmm. conciliary to Todd's father. Even even Doug as Wallander. He had very specific like I wanted him to have this bright magenta suit when you first see him and just very pop colorful and and uh, and then there's other times where I'm like, I know that <laughs> Kelly can Kelly can do better. So I'll better. <laughs>
1: Well, we know that from Loon Lake because she was the DIY of a lot of things in Loon Lake, especially with the feathers. Yep. I don't, I'm not sure yep. if she yep. ever got rid of all <laughs> those. <laughs> no, 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 they're, they're
0: still, they're still cropping up around the house.
2: Feathers and limbs.
1: But so what was your um, ideas for coming up with your costume then Kelly, you know, going out with that, since you had creative control, you know, what what was your motivations and different things?
0: Well, Ansel had an idea, and there was also obviously a time period constriction, so it had to at least be somewhat true to the time period, but also at the same time informed by the idea of a bit of like a comic book extreme. So it was kind of mixing those two worlds. And um, I had a friend of mine help me like make the the skirt portion, which was very much influenced by kind of the... Mexican wardrobe at the time, but then mixed with a little bit of steampunk and mixed with some other things. So uh, it, I think it was like 25 pieces that came together. And I, I found online that you, you can hardly see it in the movie, but I have a, it's a cameo, but it's black and white and it's a cameo of a woman holding a skull. And I was like, that's Roberto. So even though you can hardly see it, like that's my favorite kind of piece of the costume that, that just says everything.
2: And I we like we looked at a couple paintings and some, some old photographs and stuff before because I remember we we had a bit of a well, what is she gonna kind of look like discussion yeah. so yeah but I let Kelly I was like this is this is what I could think but you run you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, and as I say, your character is very similar to some other characters that you've played in the past and some other movies where you seem, you seem to be drawn to a, a certain type of character. It looks like. I think.
0: Well, I think Ansel is drawn to a certain <laughs> type. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just there. I think that's, um, that might be accidental more than intentional. I mean, on my part anyway. Um, well, I was also thinking but, of the dinner party,
1: you know, where, which is which is not Ansel involved, you know, and you're in there, you, it's like a certain, um, like in that movie, There's some similarities between the, those two characters. Really? I think. I I, I, I what are really they? Say, well, I can't really <laughs> go into it without, I'll tell you later.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I was thinking like stylistically, but you, okay. No, I, I see. I see the connection. That's not okay. I hadn't seen it until this very moment though,
1: but <laughs> well, you know, and I can't, like I said, for listeners that don't know, watch both movies and then you could see for yourself, you know? So it's, it's, uh, that, that's the whole thing, but I can't, I don't want to spoil anything. And, and, and for me to talk about that would be spoiling Todd Tarantula and a dinner party. So it's like, you know, go, go see them. They're good movies. Uh, but you know, and that kind of stuff. Now, Ethan, I'm curious, because yeah. Ansel brought up, he asked you the question, your, your um, favorite movies and you said, one of them was Apocalypse Now. What were the other two? Because as soon as he said that, I was curious. Like, what the other
3: two were? Yeah. Um, so um, I'm trying to remember because you know, Ansel your, your, will your remember movie. your favorite movies. You, I have like a favorite 100 list, and I showed the entire list to Ansel. Got a yeah, bit of
2: notes on that,
3: I <laughs> an he, on that one. He definitely had notes on, on the hundred. He really liked my top three, but everything after that, he was like, "Oh my god, questions." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there were a few that he approved of there were a few um, but Apocalypse Now was on there um, Moonlight was on there as well and the third one because the third one changes quite a bit for me, was it was it Sicario? Did I say Sicario or what was the other film that I chose?
2: I don't uh, fiction comes in my head but I feel like that was an answer that was frequently given by some people so I can't remember man I, yeah, I mean, it might have been made a movie. Been
4: movie. <laughs> we'll just say,
1: well, Sicario. We'll just go with it, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, but what what types of movies are you drawn to as a viewer?
3: As a viewer, I would say psychological thrillers are a big pull for me. Anything that really dives into a character and the way that they view the world and the way that they think. Those are like character-driven movies are the type of movies that I, as a viewer, like to go and watch. And anything that hits me emotionally or makes me rethink the way that I, I look at the world or the way that I look at people in general. Um, because as an actor, your job is to be empathetic and to step into somebody else's shoes. So when you see a new film like Apocalypse Now, where you're seeing what war has done to this individual and the way that he views it and how he can't go back to who he used to be. And he's he is part of the jungle now. And then you have Moonlight, where it's that very soft introspective look at a character and their sexuality and the way that they have to navigate through the hardships of life. And it takes it in three separate stages. I love that film. And then, you know, Sicario, that's a thriller, psychological. It's a beautiful masterpiece on suspense. And I really enjoy that as a viewer as well, But you're on the edge of your seat. And some of the shots in that movie are incredible as well. Like you know, you've you've got right at the beginning of Sicario, like that shot with like the body bag, and then the next shot is like the fog in the mirror. You know what I mean? And it's 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 just it's shots like that that stick in your brain and makes you want to go back and rewatch the film. So that was, that's the reason I gave those three. I think
1: that sounds like good reasoning to me, and I and I like the I like how you broke it down that way because everybody goes. And- films with a different perspective and a different outlook at it. And, um, I, I just enjoyed that breakdown. Now, Ansel, one thing I have to ask you, you wrote a character role for, for Doug playing Wallander, dumb tarantula sure. that I really loved. And I saw the scenes that he was in and two of those scenes were really powerful. And, um, you know, one of them, the last scene he was, that he was in with Ethan and Ethan was basically doing his monologue and talking to him. I loved um, seeing Doug's re- reaction to it. To me, that was just so well how he was reacting to what Ethan was throwing. And so, really, it's to both of you guys. What was it like in that, that scene with the reaction and the monologue? Because we don't want to give away what happened, but I think we could talk about it in the um, how you guys were feeling yeah. during that.
2: I mean, uh, just a note on Doug. Uh know this character again like this whole this whole project has been living up here for 12 years so um when i when i sat down to say uh, actually i called nate and kelly and i said okay we are going to make todd tarantula this summer like i'm tired of screwing around we're going to do it and so when i started writing i i was thinking of who was who who from my my crew would could possibly play play parts and um uh, midway through writing, I realized uh, this this could be a good part for Doug. Um, Doug, is, I've also known him for nearly ten years. With, he came from Boost 2 and then he was in Detective Adam Sheriff. And he's really uh, he's really evolved as an actor. And uh, when we did one one sequence with him, um, I, I told I, I called him up again. I like <laughs> this is this has been such an important movie to me. So I've tried to make everybody else feel like this is important. You know, I, like I scare Ethan on set by ignoring him and shit like that. But like with the, with Doug, I called him up and I, I said, Doug, this is, you know, every, every actor they get one role that comes along, that's like their role. And is their moment to like, to bring it and show what they can do. And, you know, this is that role. Like, this is your moment. And I'm trusting you with this character. And, uh, this is what I'm thinking. And, and, you know, you know, go for it. And, uh, uh, so he and I had a lot of talks. We we met up and discussed, uh, I had him read a book called West of Eden, which is about Los Angeles history and the the decadence and decay of Los Angeles history. And, uh, when he, when he did his first sequence with Ethan, it was the day that I wouldn't let them speak to each other until we shot. Um, it's a, it's a very big, powerful scene. And I tell you, I don't, can I reveal Like he was so good. He was so yeah, good. because we we I was going
0: to tell the story right after yeah. you. So. Okay. <laughs> he,
2: did, he delivers this, this very long scene. It, it was about like eight or nine pages and it's mostly him. And um, afterwards it's done and called cut and everybody, we're all just kind of standing there like, just quiet and like emotionally affected. And I look over and like Kelly's like sobbing. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, and so that's, you know, that's like some great energy when you're, when you're shooting and you're creating. But um, I think the scene that you're thinking of uh, between Ethan and and Doug uh, was, it was on, it was on a a very busy day of filming a very long busy Mm -hmm. day of filming and I, what I can say was, what were we thinking at that point? I think we were just trying to get through it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but mm-hmm. by that point we were like midway through the schedule, and I, I trusted with both of them. Like Ethan knows exactly where he's going to go, and Doug knows exactly where he's going to go. So you just kind of sit back, and make sure you got your camera, you know, your angles where you want it, and you just let these two guys emote and and play and be father and son and watch what happens when they just they just did it and then they did it again and again and again and again and you know
0: yeah. and uh well i'm not i'm not sure which scene where t- steven was alluding to but i assumed that it was the scene that took place in the room that was formerly the grand ballroom and when we filmed that scene you know in in filmmaking as an audience member you might not know like there, there's rarely a continuous take or rarely do actors perform a scene from beginning to end because usually it's kind of set up of we're going to film this little segment and then I'm going to move the camera we're going to film this little segment whatever whatever so in this particular scene you know it was set up and Ethan comes in and uh you know meets up with his father and Ansel let the scene run from beginning to end and in my mind I'm like you know I don't know how this is going to go because Doug alone Doug had nine pages of dialogue. And I'm like, it, you know, is he going to? Is he going to remember this? Is he? Are we going to stop and start? Are we going to whatever? And they did that scene from beginning to end without a mistake, without an anything, without a whatever. And you know, I've read it a, a hundred times, and I, I will say, like, a, a there were sections of it that were edited, you know, for the final cut. But but watching it from beginning to end and seeing the two of them live out this thing that we had written and read a yeah. hundred times yeah. live it out for the first time like I'm, I'm not particularly an emotional person and like ansel said he looks over and like there are tears streaming down my face because i'm like they they captured they this thing better than i thought or exp- like thought could have been done yeah. And we- I, I almost wish that people could like, I, you know, I'm not going to say like, let's do a Todd Tarantula stage play, but it's like <laughs> if people could be there live and see that like uninterrupted emotion and connection between father and son, it was, uh, it was, it was heartbreaking.
1: And that is one of the two uh, scenes uh, I was talking about, That was, but the scene I was talking about takes place later, way later in the movie. Um, almost yeah, it's, say, I know what scene are referring yeah, to. Those, I'm, I'm just telling it for Kelly and but um Ethan what was it like working with Doug and and obviously cuz you had those two powerful scenes with him.
3: One. Yes. So it was it was a unique experience just because of the fact that we're father and son and we have a very tumultuous relationship and we haven't seen each other in a long time. And the events that transpire over the course of the movie bring us back together but every single time that we see each other because of the relationship that we have it is inherently emotional and the first the first two big scenes that we filmed together were kind of argument scenes or very like emotional like brought everyone in the room to tears or everybody was scared to go near us after all the yelling that transpired in, in an apartment that we were filming in so there was a lot of back and forth between us and we worked very well together. I felt like I had to apologize to him at the end of some takes because I was like, that was a lot that I just threw at you right there. And I'm sorry, but you know, that's acting and that's our job at the end of the day. Um, so I, I, I'm really happy with the scenes that um, the, the final product that came out of those scenes and the one that you were talking about right at the end Uh, I really enjoyed that. Like Ansel was saying, it was the end of a very long day, like a 12 hour day where we had to get like five different scenes done. um, And it was the final one. And it's, it was kind of symbolic, you know, it's the end of the movie. It was the last take that we did on that very long day. And it's emotional. Like my character has changed a bit given everything that's happened in the film. And it's a moment between a father and son that, you know, it, it's something that you take away afterwards, and you, and you don't realize how special that moment is when you're in it. Um, but I think the audience is really going to interpret it when they see that final moment.
2: Oh, well, I know. Yeah, something, I I gonna, something I was going to. Something I was going to say uh, when Kelly brought up theater. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the movie is a very uh, by design a chaotic, frenetically you know, uh, frenetic energy uh, film. And so the 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 sequences that we'd already shot, because uh, because Doug didn't join us till about a third of the way through through the film shoot, um, were very sort of high octane energy scenes and like crazy trippy hallucination scenes and stuff, and, uh, and a fight sequence. And um, so when it, when it came to on the schedule, okay, we're going to do this first sequence with with Doug and Ethan. Um, it was the kind of the first time where we're, All of us, sort of behind the camera, uh, experienced the the just the acting alone. Just like we're going to watch theater, we're going to watch this play unfold. And um, I I could tell, like after that, we all kind of started approaching the work a bit differently. I was like, oh wow, this could really, I think, go somewhere just on performance wise. Like, and I could tell, like Lila, our sound girl, like the way everybody, we all just started like responding differently to, to showing up to, to chat. And, um, uh, it was, it, I mean, it was just, it was fascinating to me because finally these two guys are, have come to life and they're speaking in front of me rather than just, you know, like on the page, like Kelly said, we've read this a hundred times and, and, uh, and they were father and son. They were not Ethan and Doug. And like, I've known Doug for like a long time. and like like, Doug, and then like, here he was falling the tarantula. And, uh, and he's giving it. To, he's giving his son the business, and and they have this this great, powerful, um, uh, dichotomy. And it was just really fun to watch that. And uh, just sort of let them go at it. After a while, you really didn't have to tell them what to do. So that's again tribute to their um, their their homework that they put in uh, before before doing the job.
1: Yeah, because the chemistry between. Both Ethan and Doug is just is just exactly what you expect for a father and son, and of course you guys never met each other. And here you are, Bing Bada Boom! Right in that first scene, you know you guys are doing together and, and able to go running into it. And I think a lot of it has to do at that point. You worked with um, Ansel for I don't know how many days on the shooting because he said you said he came in like uh, Doug came in a third of the way through.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know how
1: many days that was into it, but at least you have an you have a, a faith and a trust in Ansel and Doug having done many films just like Kelly with Ansel knows exactly what he, Ansel's looking for and trying to do and and also has that faith and trust in Ansel like oh he's going to take this and make this really good i have I, I can just work on the acting i can just work on my character and i'm saying this because i just interviewed Doug the day before we're doing this and these are the words he was pretty much saying you know um so that i can i'm paraphrasing a little bit but that was his intent that he just has total faith in Ansel that all he has to do mm-hmm. is focus on the one thing where you, on the other hand, um, were being thrown into something totally new and different, you know, being on film, being yeah. on all this other stuff. And all these people you're meeting are like, whoa, you know, what's going on? And, and you, re- you really rolled with it and did it really, did really well. Whether, uh, whether it was Ansel mm-hmm. prepping you, you prepping yourself, or Kelly also helping everybody working as a, a team. It really blended in naturally. It did not look like your first film.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It, it was a very collaborative process and experience. And I got a lot of direction from Ansel, a lot of direction from Kelly. And I will say I didn't have a ton of time to do the prep work as much as I am used to with theater. Because, you know, in theater, you've got six weeks to prep the film with with all your castmates and work through everything. But I, I knew that I wasn't going to have that coming into the film. I didn't expect to have 17 days prep a 75 page script
0: (laughs) you're lucky you got that much (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah wait well i was gonna say you got cast like three weeks
2: before because we started may 30th was our first day and then you and i were we were hanging out discussing him several days before that so you got cast what you had
0: more advanced notice than anybody (laughs) did i well
3: i mean i did have a lot of time (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was it was about three weeks um, beforehand that I think you guys cast me and then about sure. six days later that I got the, the final script. Um, but no, it was it was it was just me putting a lot of faith into the team that had cast and hired me. And I, I came in the first couple of days and I'm not going to lie, I was rather nervous for those scenes. But I think Ansel prepped and planned the day and Kelly as well to have those emotional big scenes later in the shoot. Yeah. By that point, I was comfortable with, with the character. I was comfortable with being in front of the camera. I was comfortable with working with people and being vulnerable enough after just meeting them an hour ago. So it was it was really well planned out so that those big scenes where a lot of the acting and emotion comes in, I was already comfortable in, in the circumstances and stuff like that. So that was... Uh, just props to the team.
2: And I guess- Kelly organized the schedule. Kelly or Kelly made that. Kelly yeah. made this movie. New- okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I've been thinking of this movie for years and years and years and driving everybody crazy. But Kelly is the one that like, I'm. I mean, I'm not on a financial thing because that's not. But like, Kelly made this movie happen. So even down to like the schedule of okay, when are when are the actors going to have to hit these notes and like that's all I had. Yeah, I would say
0: next. the. The only, override me <laughs> the only mistake with the schedule, which really couldn't have been foreseen, is that the the day on the mountain was the hundred and ten degree <laughs> day <laughs> of, the, of the season and um you know I'm wearing a full victorian costume, and Ethan's wearing a black leather jacket, and it was legit hundred and ten degrees so if mm. i if I could have known that, I might have adjusted things slightly, but it it all it all works out. <laughs> And I guess the character that got
1: away with being the easiest was Roberto at that particular day.
4: Uh. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just saying. And for listeners, when you see the movie, you'll understand everything. You know, it all becomes clear. <laughs> but you can't control the weather. I thought you had that power and ability where you could just say, no, this is going to be a nice day. You know? Oh,
0: shoot. I shouldn't have admitted to that. Sorry. As a, <laughs> as a producer. a the range my... come back. That's my
1: she failing. The <laughs> rain the I mean, she was the witch from Loon Lake. So you'd hope that she'd be able to, you know, have some power still to, you know, but I guess it all, I guess she has to be in Minnesota.
0: I can, I can bring rain, but that's it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think that would have helped except maybe, you know, make it less hot, but I mean, it wouldn't have helped with the shooting if you're trying to make it. a. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, Ethan, I, I looked in your little bit of your background. and You've done theater work before. And one of the things you did was the Laramie Project. Yeah, And um, you played uh, Matthew Shepard. And mm-hmm. I've never seen the Laramie Project when it was done at um, a local college when I was working there and stuff like that. And the interesting thing, I always paid attention to Matthew Shepard because him and I shared the same birthday, October 12th. Oh, really? Because one of those things like, you like, sometimes you pop in your birthday, you're like, oh, I wonder who else has this day. And I was yeah. like, one Hugh Jackman is born the exact same day and year as I am. So of course, you know, when I look at myself in the my <laughs> mirror, I think Hugh and I are twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw Matthew Shepard. And then, you know, you read this whole story and then I saw the Laramie project, which puts it in. What was that like for you? I know it has nothing to talk, but you know, that, that was something that you've done yeah. in the past.
3: Yeah, well, um, that was actually the first uh, straight play that I had ever done. Um, and it's kind of done in that verbatim theater style where it's the actual interviews that um, the, the theater company went out there. And uh, they interviewed all the people in the town just to kind of capture the voice of Laramie after this horrific act, uh, event occurred to Matthew Shepard. And when I went in for the audition at my college, I was a freshman. And freshmen usually don't get cast um, in, in the shows like this, in the spring shows. But I had a very similar look to Matthew Shepard um, and the director wanted to use that because in the actual play, Matthew Shepard isn't a character. It's all the people in the town talking about Matthew Shepard and what has just happened. Um, But the director wanted to take a different approach. And there's a narrator who introduces all the characters and has small little monologues throughout And he wanted that narrator to be Matthew Shepard. And it was a really interesting take. And it added another layer to everything that was going on. Um, And periodically, I would walk out onto stage. And I was backstage, like with a microphone, as the narrator for a lot of it. But then once the audience realizes that I'm walking out and at the end of the play, there's this very uh, visceral image of me on or, or my, my character as Matthew Shepard on the, um, fence post, like you, like what happened in, in actual events. Uh, and the audience is left with that final image of Matthew Shepard on a projection screen and me looking very similar to him. So that was, that was a very intense first role to have and to step into the shoes of Matthew Shepard and try to do justice to the character. Um, yeah, it, it kind of made me fall in love. With, with acting in a way just because of how powerful and how much that moved the audience. And it's, it's something that has stuck with me for, for a very long time. So it's a, a very special um, role and production to me.
1: I saw it too. And it's, and listeners, if you ever get a chance to see the Laramie project, a lot of colleges, universities will do productions of it. And um, it's well worth to see. And, and definitely, you know, research the name. Now, other things that some of you guys have done in recent years since I've last interviewed you or talked to you, Ansel, you have had a lot of things going on in the last couple of years. Um, A little thing with um, the most haunted house at Venice Beach and having all the Dark Shadows characters come by to do a Christmas special and then lots of articles and winning some awards and other things. I mean, if you want to catch people up with – what's been happening to you. It's been a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah. just uh, uh, Kelly. I can tell you, we did uh, the most haunted houses in a speech, um, which was, uh, we shot it in 2020 during, during the pandemic. Um, and it was basically uh, just, uh, just to keep our, all our creative juices going. And uh, Doug was in it as the Speedway ghost. And, um, and it was a, uh, it turned out, to be unfortunately, Chris Pennock's final uh, performance. He, he shot his work um, in uh, September, and he passed away uh, that February. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm really, I'm really proud of that one. Um, just because it's a, a different, it's a different thing from my normal work. And I, I as as Todd, Ter- it does kind of tie into Todd Turinsky because it deals with uh, the history of Los Angeles history of place geography and uh so I did that in the Solar House of Venice speech and uh we did Dark Shadows Christmas Carol and that was fun. That was very stressful <laughs> it was fun. Um, uh trying to wrangle uh the Dark Shadows cast members on Zoom and read through Charles Dickens Christmas Carol and it was just as chaotic and insane as trying to tape an actual episode of Dark Shadows. But you know, remotely and 50 plus years later. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun. And I also am very proud of that. Uh, just because it's, it's something that I had even like, it was Dan Curtis had brought it up. You know, that was one of his, his biggest regret. They had not done Dark Shadows Christmas Carol. And then with me having worked with various cast members over, over the years, uh, it was something that was kind of floated around. Oh, oh what if we actually were to do it? Um, and I think the way that we did execute it was way better than, than like making a film. Um, it was more intimate and honest and more, I think, like I said, just chaotically in the spirit of <laughs> Dark Shadows. And uh, and then, yeah, I, I have a column in We Belong Dead magazine where I ramble on about movies and Blu-rays and more movies and more Blu-rays. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just try to, to try to keep, try to you know not bore myself while I'm waiting to make a film, and um, and then I did this. It's hot transfer, so that's eaten up a lot of my time, but I don't mind. It's, it's I've been wanting to make this for so long. So yeah, mostly what I end up doing is I call up Kelly and I just drive her crazy every day of the week. <laughs> that's,
0: After, that's pretty much you know, what happens. <laughs> <last week. laughs> if if my boyfriend hears me on the phone yelling, he'll be like, "Oh, are you talking to Ansel?" <laughs> <laughs> in what world I'm serious.
4: do you think that this is possible? Yeah,
0: that's yeah. the yeah. Ansel is um, a- Ansel is an important person in my life, both to provide sanity in the sense of actually like finishing a creative product, and also in providing insanity and in what it takes to get there. So yeah, we're um, it's a lot of yelling. Yeah. Yeah, like- yeah. <laughs> and, and like I asked
1: um, Ansel. Since you and I did the interview together, what else have you been up to besides besides keeping Ansel moving and getting productions done?
0: Well, it's a full-time job to... to... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, Ansel mentioned, the, the, or, or yeah, I guess you asked about The Most Haunted House of Venice Beach. And I would say that was a case of um, necessity as the mother of invention because... Ansel is always doing something, and so the pandemic, I think, you know, drove him to the brink. The idea of, you know, we can't be together, we can't do anything. I mean, at that point, you know, Los Angeles was still in lockdown. He physically could not assemble a group of people, so yeah. he was like, "What can we do where I can legit just film one person at a time, and yet somehow like make a story out of that?" So that was what I think was the uh, impetus for the most haunted house of Venice Beach. So that was. Um, That was fun, Uh, obviously, other than the Chris part, which still, like, honestly, watching that, I can't watch that after the fact without crying, like, you know, obviously not knowing at the time what would happen and, you know, watching his Shakespeare monologue. It's just, it's a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't mean to bring us all down, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Chris would be the last person to want to get down. No, and
0: it's but it's it's good and bad because it's like Chris. Chris was one of my favorite people because he, you know, as Ansel said about David, he had no no pretense. No, I've done all of these things and I'm better and I'm this and that. All he wanted to do was work. All he wanted to do was act. He was up for anything and everything, and just brought this joy to every single thing that he did. And so it's like watching him. It it's this bittersweet thing of seeing that joy, and also the sadness that we don't have. Sorry, that we don't have that anymore. Um,
2: yeah. yeah, no, so, he was he was uh, just like constantly like a volcano of energy, and just like when he'd show up, it's like, oh, oh we're, we're going to put on. You know, <laughs> <boy."> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like Kelly said, no matter what, and. Uh, uh yeah, so and and the irony of his his final on-screen monologue being the the closing of the tempest, um, it, it does it, it adds a it, when I do watch the film now, um, it is very emotional and um, kind of perfect because it's it is crisp. It is, yeah. I mean, to go out on Shakespeare, that's so Chris. Yeah,
4: um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: And that's the one good thing about films is that for better or worse. And I always think it's for better. These things are saved for a long time. I know everybody says forever, but I'm like, I always think, but 400 years from now, is anybody really going to look back at stuff that's done here? Cause will be 400 more years of stuff, but for the foreseeable future, it is there and it's saved and it's preserved and you being able to work so much with him in theater fantastic and all these other things that you've done with him, where he was doing so many different roles, so many different styles. It was just, it's just wonderful to watch and see. And it's, uh, I never got a chance to talk with him. And I know Ansel one time we had set up where when, when he first got ill, we thought everybody, everything was going to get better. And we was, it was kind of set up. Oh, once he gets recovered, we'll be, we'll have an interview. And then sadly, things turned out it was never meant to be, but talking to people that have met him between the two of you and, and Doug and, and David, it's just, you know, you feel like you get to know who he was like as a real, as a person. And it's just, you know, it's just, and that does help. And that's why, you know, some of these things, it's, it's glad we record it down so people can, that don't know, because, Oh, this is what he was like to work with. And that was what he was like. And, and, and preserve that part. Now, you also have another person in Todd Tarantula who is an all-time regular, I think, for you, and that's Nate Wilson, Nathan Wilson, and, yeah. and he plays yeah. he plays an interesting character, and he and 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 has a character arc, so to speak. That uh, I guess yeah. I guess there might be uh, this could lead to a future movie or something. I don't know, in the Todd Tarantula universe. <laughs>
2: I'm already <laughs> exhausted, Steven. I'm exhausted and broke. I <laughs> can't. Oh, <yeah. laughs> um, Nate, yeah, so the funny thing about this movie is, you know, I said we've had various iterations of this film. It's, it's, it's almost happened several times. At one point, uh, 10 years ago, it was going to happen. Uh, Chris Pennock was to play Lucifer. Steve Railsback was to play Wallander Tarantula. Sally Kirkland was to play Kelly's role, Lady Salome. Um, uh, Nate uh, has the, been the only actor through all the various iterations that has only ever been Barracuda. And um, uh, I, I, For a fleeting moment when I was writing this, this iteration of it, this rewrite of it, I thought maybe he could play Lucifer. That would be kind of interesting and fun and I know he could do it. And then as I kept writing, I'm like, no, 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 no. He has to be Barracuda because he's Barracuda, and I think this needs to be for David, Lucifer. But um, yeah, Nate plays Barracuda, and he is Todd's best friend. And uh, something I think I said to Ethan when we were when we were prepping was like, Barracuda is the the physicality, the muscle, the like, let's go kick ass, and you know. I'm, I've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. And, um, and Todd is, is more just like stoned and like in his head and sort of relies on Barracuda to be the, the big powerful cause Todd is just money and, and, uh, superficial flash and lies and, and tragedy and all this shit. And so, uh, they're, they're, they're a good yin yang team. And, um, and so Nate, I know that he was, he watched like, uh, the, the Danny Boyle show about the sex pistols. So like being in the car, this is a, there's a particular story. There's a scene between, okay. yeah, he's already laughing. Uh, between Ethan <laughs> and, uh, Nate, and they are driving through LA. And it was like day four of filming. So still really early on, it was like a month long of, of uh, a month long of production. And, uh, Uh, it's just the three of us in the car and I'm really I'm trapped in a car with Todd and Barracuda and they're both effing insane and there's (laughs) just like just all this noise is coming out of them and we're trying to like run the car with traffic so we can get lights and movement because I want movement and fluidity and energy in the scene and I made the mistake of, you know, you, you, as a film, as a director, you give actors an inch, they'll take a mile. And if you well, I trust Kelly. Okay, you go make your costumes. But like, I said, okay, you can maybe go off book and improvise on this. <laughs> and that was, that was the downfall. But... I hate it. I, 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 I'm cutting the film. And it's, you know, I'm the only editor on this, on this show. And I text Nate, and I said, I hate you, and I hate Ethan, and I hate
4: actors, <laughs> and I hate the scene, <laughs> because there was
2: just, like, so much, and never nothing ever matched, and they, like, Ethan would start saying something that he'd invented as, as the car was moving, and then when I needed the line that was actually in the script, the car wouldn't be moving, and then you cut to Nate, and the car was, and it was just all over the place, and being trapped in the car with them for hours on end was just, like, an overwhelming sense of cacophony. Kelly <laughs> it's it's a, a lot of fun, And, uh, and uh, uh, we couldn't roll down the windows, and it's June and in Los Angeles, it's really hot. We couldn't roll down the windows because we need clean sounds, and uh, so the windows all like fogged up. And Ethan, they're they're doing drugs, and uh, there's a bit of movie magic. So Ethan had Tic Tacs, and he ate like a Tic Tac factory's worth of of Tic Tacs rather than mm-hmm. acting and pretending to swallow the pills mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was a fun
3: night to say the least it was was a lot of fun you know all (laughs) all the scenes that i did with with nathan like nathan was the only actor that i really met with a few times beforehand to create a rapport and we went over like all of our scenes and all of our dialogue and stuff like that and you know as actors do we we thought of little things to bring into the scene that would be improvised or we thought this might be fun to do this might be fun to do and like Ansel was talking about with the car, you know, we we would just invent things off the top of our head or we start having like a, a jam session to the radio that isn't playing or, you know, just inventing something. Or we invented a little red light, green light game with all the stop lights and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, there's other other days where... You know, we completely improvised a fight between us that didn't end up in the film. And I, you know, it's, it's those kind of fun moments that you look back on and you're like, you know, this is what friends would do. And I loved working with him because he brought out a different side of Todd. It's kind of a lighter, an actual happy side of this character that is always in his head, like Ansel was saying, and is a bit darker and has a lot of tragedy happen to him and it was those 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 days were a lot of fun working with nate and he's a he's a fellow midwesterner as well he's from uh, minnesota i'm from wisconsin and we have kind of similar stories about when we came out here so it was it was kind of fated to be that we were best friends in the film because we had a really really great chemistry
2: and nate is also a producer on the film too so like when i wasn't Driving Kelly crazy. When Kelly wouldn't answer my phone calls, I would call <laughs> Nate and be like, Kelly's not talking to me. I don't know what I'm going to do. But um, yeah, we're the three of us, me, Nate, Kelly, we're like a good, you know, we just need some money and then the, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to stop the three of us. I think we're good. We got each other's backs. And Kelly always makes us smarter and better than we, you know, seem to be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that's for sure. I mean, I know that for certain, you know, I haven't talked to all three of you, so it's like Kelly is the smart one.
4: (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a fact.
2: Carved in stone.
1: But Ansel, it could have been worse. You could have been doing all those scenes and it could have been doing all this improv (laughs) and you could have been in Doug's car.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, I guess Doug told that story. Um, Yeah. Doug didn't have AC and he picked up David one day during a very important oh i forgot day. about that <laughs> yeah and um and it's and we're filming you know you, just, you shoot the movie in the summer and um yeah but 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 tribute to david like i as i said earlier in this discussion like there is never any sense of prima donna any sense of i'm better i've been doing this longer than any of you people have been alive like you, i am he's he's down down to earth down completely on the same level with us willing to get in the muck and dirt willing to go do crazy things only too eager to do crazy things i should actually phrase and um uh yeah and constantly a trooper constantly like i you know i'll give you everything and if it's not enough we'll go back we'll do it again and uh and i know this is a challenging role for him like when when i sat down with him he was he's like but angela because David is is all about trying to do, trying to make the world a better place, trying to do better, trying to be a better human, and and I'm giving him Lucifer Gray, who is, who is a very <laughs> nasty piece of work. And I sat down with him and, and his wife Chip, and uh, they would read the script, and he goes, "I just, I'm wondering if there's something redeeming about him, if there's something, you know, something good about this character, and and uh, and I was about to to. You know, try to get my directors feel as to well, no, this is like you know, this is, bad. and his wife Chip, she said, David, you have played plenty of nice men, you've played plenty of fathers. This is a challenge. This is one of the greatest roles. This is a role out of the Bible. It's it's Satan. It's evil. And stop worrying. And you can do this. And then she goes, Angela, you tell him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so David, you know, kind of like thought about it and and had to to. Adjust his his very kind mindset to to okay. I have to just embody seductive evil, and then one day he called me. He goes, "I've got him," and he sent me a photo of him in the outfit and the hat, and and I text him back. I'm like, "Oh man, I can't wait to get set," and uh, and uh, then you know we show up and we do it.
1: I will say he got it, and. If I'm correct, he also won a Best Supporting Actor award that one of the screen- yeah with the he's, films.
2: He's won the film is is an official selection of the Hollywood Real Independent Film Festival here in Los Angeles. Um, it's sort of taken the place of the LA Film Festival, and um, David has won Best Supporting Actor in a Feature Film for Todd tarantula and I think it's actually he, he's been nominated for several Emmys for Falcon Crest and. And uh, he's nominated for uh, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns and and stuff. But I think this is his first like acting award. <laughs> and I, I called him. He was he was very pleased and very excited and, and very touched. And uh, uh and I'm I'm very proud that he won for my film for you know this character that's been living up here for uh, over a decade and. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's it, my fourth grade, third grade year old self would be gobsmacked. Like I was watching Night of Dark Shadows on VHS over and over. And Now he won an award for my film. So that's kind of nice.
0: <laughs> just to be clear, Ansel is still watching Night of Dark Shadows on VHS over and over. That's over I'm not over limited
2: it. to third grade. I'm watching, just... I'm watching the director's cut at one of those. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I thought I thought he moved up to the Blu-ray, but maybe he just likes to he, he likes to watch them all. I mean, there's nothing wrong with watching Dark Shadows. I got the coffin set, so I mean, I, you know, it's, <laughs> which which Angel knows it's like all the stuff and all these behind all these bonus features, and it's just and I, I think I watched it all all the episodes in three and a half
2: months. That's a record. That would be a record just from what I see on Facebook. That's that's
1: pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, because I was keeping track. Well. I'll tell you later, but yeah, I did it all, and (laughs) I was able to watch it while I was working. So it's it's uh so it and and, you know the episodes are twenty some odd minutes long
2: each. So it's yeah Yeah. they're they're
1: twelve hundred over twelve hundred episodes, but they're not that long of an episode. You can just go right through a bunch in a day.
2: And they kind of repeat things that heads and tails of episodes, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. And it's addictive. So once you start, you don't want to stop. I mean, but it's it's a good drug. So Kelly, what's coming up with you in the future? What do what, what, you have anything you can tell us about that you're going to be you know, working on or doing?
0: Ansel, can I mention Sorry. the next thing? Or are we, is that
2: the, the concept think,
0: or is that? It... Let's
2: hang on to that. I think it's too good a concept to-
0: Well, I'm, 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 I'm glad or... to hear let's that, because it's Mademus
2: my concept. I'm talking about Madam Wuster. I want to- Okay. Yeah, because that, that's- So you talk.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> uh steven you've seen some of the theater fantastique with the character madame lasser and ansel has written a feature script that uh, i love (laughs) it's it's charming like it's a mix of both being a love story and a road trip and you know there's a dark element to it it has a lot of elements that come together and i think it's really fantastic and you know, as usual, money is a constraint for us, and Ansel has tried to think of some ways to, you know, do it for cheaper. And I've put the kabosh on that because there are a couple of elements that I'm like, this would be fantastic if it's done right, and we just need a little bit more to do it right. There's a climax scene that, and you know, it's a period piece. There's a climax scene that requires. You know, a little bit of money to get the the sets and the prop pieces to really do it justice, we, and I'm like, we can, we can reveal
2: it. It's it's a drive-in. The movie the movie takes place in 1970, and it's it is a it is a love story, as Kelly said. It is a road movie, and it's kind of a Valentine to late 60s, early 70s drive-in horror films. And so, and a, I'm not
0: going to cheat the the yeah, climax a with a real drive-in with real you know period vehicles and costumes and all of this because it's to me it's really worth it um i don't want to do like a cheapened down version just to get it done like it's one thing i you know i really want to do it right so um you know hopefully we'll be able to i I bought a i bought a powerball ticket but
4: (laughs) good (laughs) good
1: Well, we also know from your interview that if, if if Kelly gets a lot of money, she's going to move somewhere and have a cabin and just live primitive style, with no no connection. So it, this could go either way. This could be like, yeah, we got money for films, or Kelly's totally um, off the grid.
0: <laughs> if you win the Powerball, you can do both. I can, you know, I'll, I'll be silent for a while, and then Ansel and Nate will come up to Montana, and we'll film something in the woods it will the
1: best of both worlds a cabin in the woods nothing can go wrong there (laughs) (laughs) exactly But i'm really glad because that's a movie i think when i interviewed you before you were talking about you're hoping that was something that would come out you know down the road so i know this has been something that's been worked on for a long time you know and hopefully yeah Yeah. hopefully happens quicker than the 12 years of that took todd tarantula to get off the ground
0: you know yeah. Well, I hope so because I don't want to be a, of a certain age. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's that's when we'll do motion capture. We'll just mocap it here. <gasps> the age, you know. Do the we'll, we'll just
0: and then and she's the, at any age. We can do for and... the future. Do not talk to an actress and tell them you're going to motion capture her so you can de-age her. Well, <laughs> that's awful. I then we could
4: do. You could do her. You could play her and she's
2: twelve. We could do like literally the whole because. Like okay, how, how, about, how
0: about we just film it soon so that none of this is necessary? So if somebody's out there that's got money, you know,
2: c- come our way. Let's do it. I like how he's trying to save himself.
4: Yeah, he can keep trying.
2: I did read the script again this, like, past week for another assignment. And uh, it, it is a, it could be so much fun, it, you know.
0: Ethan had the right hand motion. Since this is audio and not video, Ethan was just doing a great (laughs) digging motion to demonstrate. Isn't it a real
1: Rogers Rogers quote or something like that? When you're in a hole, quit digging. (laughs)
4: Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Ethan, what do you have coming up in the future? Do you know?
3: Um, I, I was on, a veil for a series regular for a television show that did not pan out. Um, so the, the future is, is open as of now. Uh, I did recently, uh, write a short script or a short, short film, um, that, uh, me and my roommate put together and I've been working on a movie trilogy that I might want to pitch as an HBO, uh, miniseries, uh, for about two years now and I'm getting close to a final script that which is fantastic um but i'm signed with uh, a great talent uh manager uh stein entertainment group and we have a great rapport so there's uh, a lot of promising things going on in the future but nothing set in stone as of now
2: well, he's I- wanting me to say we got thoughts or answer what's coming up
3: <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be upset i wouldn't be upset
1: <laughs> I, would, I would not be upset either. I'm with Todd Trantula too, you know, and, and, and of course you can exactly. have to branch off movies, you know, and that kind of uh-huh. stuff. Like you did with um, Adam Sarah. You had all these different films so come up then.
2: That's, that's <laughs> actually been my, that's been my idea. And Kelly very quickly vetoed that was that it would do, <laughs> it would, I always thought this, that, that, and in my old, the one film that we were going to do, uh, Detective Adam Sarah was a supporting character and, and it would have gone off into his world. But I was like, Todd Tarantula, Madame LeSeur actually, Detective Adam Sarah has to solve a, a case and it requires Madame LeSeur's help and then Todd Tarantula gets involved somehow and then you find out that it's, it's uh, Dr. Marouche pulling, you know, being the big Thanos at the end of it. Um, Kelly's like, no.
4: Okay.
2: <laughs> Very quickly. No. So...
4: Yeah, <laughs> well, you can. You can always
1: write the. You can always write the novelization of it and put it out that way.
2: Yeah, I could. I could. I'd rather make Madame LaSueur, but yeah, I could. Well, do both.
1: I mean, you, you got. Yeah. You, you, you have so much time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, Ansel. i obviously Madame LaSueur is coming up, and um, you're working on We Belong Dead, and you also didn't you win an award for um, a Rondo? Had an award for some of your work. Yeah, I
2: have I have I have three Rondo awards for Rondo Hat and Classic Bar awards. Um uh, I, I won uh, back in uh, back in 2020 we did the Doctor Who 3001 the three 1001 Lives of Doctor Maboose and I won for that best uh, short and then I won again for the most honored house of Venice speech and for Dark Shadows Christmas Carol. And so I have I have three Rondo awards and uh, it's very I, it's like I've been going on the classic horror board since I since, since they launched well I mean it's I'm what three years older than that so since I was probably like six or seven and could access bold dial up internet and uh, to have and the, was
0: the only six year old on the classic horror board I <laughs> was and they all thought I was like a grown ass man because <laughs> <laughs> I was talking
2: about movies that nobody my age had ever heard of like The Mystery of Marie Roget and like just crazy things but um, and the uninvited, but, so uh, so it's kind of nice. Like, Oh, we're, you, you wrecked Sally field. You like me. You really like me. You recognize me. And, um, we accept you. One of us, Google Google, one of us. <laughs> well, <I just> like <laughs> That's a reference to classic core board. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. And, uh, and I voted for you in each one of those. Films. It's always nice when you, when you felt the ballot, when people you vote for a win, it's like, it's like, Oh. I'm not a crazy person. People actually were, you know, we always love these things. you know, you always wonder, um, do people think you're nuts or crazy, but it's like, obviously when you see good work and you see good things, you always hope it gets out there. And you guys are talking about the financial part, having the money to help do other productions and what people can do to help independent filmmakers like Kelly and Ansel and, that uh, they can keep having Ethan coming out of productions is by watching Todd Tarantula. And
2: how could they watch it? Cause it's out already. How can they do yeah, it? It's, it's going to be, it's going to begin streaming um, exclusively on Vimeo on demand. I'm doing a, a uh, this, this whole project has been a, a real passion project for me. It's I've, I shaved up and I paid for this whole thing myself. Um, it, it's so I'm releasing it myself, basically. So when you rent the film on Vimeo on demand, which you can access on your Roku device, the Fire Stick, however, you literally search it, Todd Sarancia, it will come up. Um, you are renting directly from me. You're not, you know, getting, uh, giving, you know, 50% to a major streaming entity, uh, tech entity. I could name a few, but I won't. Um, that uh, you are supporting the artist. You are supporting us. Um, you are enabling us to go out and, and make something else, hopefully. And um, so it will be available on Vimeo On Demand to search Todd Tarantula. Uh, if you can't find it there, you can check my website, Productions.com, H-O-L-L-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H Productions. And um, and then after that, it will be available on uh, other streaming platforms like Tubi uh, and we're working on hopefully a dvd or blu-ray release something some sort sort of physical media release because i'm a very big supporter of physical media um and uh yeah it, and we're screening also at the as i said the uh hollywood real independent film festival on march 1st it's having a, a festival premiere and it's, they're, they're telling me it's going to be a big to-do and um I, I'm just, I'm happy and I'm relieved that after so many years, this thing is finally going to be available to be shared with everybody and they can see what the hell I've been talking about and what I've been, you know, picturing in my head. And um, I'm I'm so happy that like Kelly pushed me and yelled at me and kicked me in the butt to make it that much better. And she knows what she did and, uh, and that we found... This guy that uh, over the course of filming, I'm like, maybe we weren't supposed to make this movie ten years ago because you were were just way too young, or were you even alive? I I would have been 15 at that point. (laughs) No, this is the first movie where like Nate said to me, he goes, "You're the old man on set because when we started when I did Doctor Mothers, I was I had just turned 20 and I was directing all these veterans and all these actors that were older than me, and on this one, everybody seems like they were way younger than me and kind of threw me for a minute there. So Nate's was like, you're the old man now. But um, yeah, Ethan did a, did a great job as Todd and Kelly was, was a, a a very funny lady Salome and um, an even better producer. And uh, I want to go do it again. Maybe not Todd Tarantula too, but like another movie. So.
1: I'm just happy with all the stuff you guys have been coming out with, because it's not just been Loon Lake, Will and Liz, Todd Tarantula and Theater Fantastique. A lot of these are available on blu-ray dvd um you can look yeah. them up you'll see them somewhere on oldies.com somewhere on amazon uh, definitely seek them out because like i always say the money you're spending especially if you go directly with todd trance Vin- Vin- what is it Vin-
2: vimeo vimeo on demand yeah Vin- i can never yeah. pronounce it
1: i'm, I'm terrible his names. sometimes <laughs> okay. and uh you go there and that what i love about that because i've done it with other dr- filmmakers too is the money 100 percent goes right to them and, or at least most of it, I'm, I'm assuming it's a, a huge percentage goes to you. And that way they can make the next film and the next film. And if you don't do that and you're like, oh, they don't need the money, I'll wait till it comes out free, then you're not giving them the financial support that they need in order to keep these things going. Because, like Kelly said, she wants Mountainless Hour to be, you know, with certain production values so they, you know and, and stuff like that so if you help support them with this film that's going to help the next film and so on and build it up that's my yeah, soapbox yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: <laughs> no, no, we appreciate it
0: yeah and thank you Stephen, for supporting independent film because you know the the, the big studios don't really need the support and <laughs> we appreciate you, you know, sharing all of this with your listeners. Yeah. Like it's fantastic for us. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Getting, trying to get promotion, just as a, trying to get people to talk about your movie and promote your movie and, and give us the opportunity to, to, to try to pitch our movie to audiences and stuff is so difficult in the independent scene. So this is a huge, we're, we're, we're very, very grateful <laughs> for this. Oh, I'm grateful.
1: I'm grateful for all of you guys coming on the show too, and you're welcome. And and again, all of you are invited to always come back if you want to discuss different movies or when your other projects come out. You know, you have my contact information. Just let me know. Ansel and I were about to contact each other virtually the same day about doing some stuff for Todd Tarantula. It was it's like two you know two minds thinking alike, and um, it was, I saw it's like oh, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. Let me reach out to Ansel, and Ansel reached out to me literally. Hours before I was going to reach out to him. And that's how close it was <laughs> uh, to happening, where it was almost like simultaneous. Uh, but people support independent film work, work and they keep an eye out. Ethan Walker, you know, people have said, Ansel said earlier, oh, he's like Matt Damon down the road to be like, oh, Matt Damon's like Ethan Walker. <laughs> 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 you never know no, how things change.
0: Ethan's gotta, not a young Matt Damon. Matt Damon's an old Ethan Walker. <laughs> exactly.
4: <laughs>
2: I gotta say something. I gotta say yeah. something. I, and I told Ethan this when, when he cast him and I realized this was his very first film and he is like fresh out here from Wisconsin and and uh, I said, this never happens where you literally come from nowhere with nothing, you no know, list of credits, no represent, you know, nothing. Fresh face and you land the title role in a feature film. So enjoy it because this is, you're never, this is a very strange, surreal whirlwind experience and you're never going to experience it the same way. You're never going to feel the same way. Um, and enjoy all the ups and downs and yeah. all the bullshit and the great moments. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I don't know. This, this whole movie has been a very
3: interesting experience, I think for everybody.
2: It, it, but a good one.
3: Yeah. 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 And uh, you, you are right. This is, it's been a lot of emotions. And obviously, my, I remember my last day on set. I, I got a little emotional and, and teary-eyed and all that. Um, and I've been trying to make the most of it, uh, as you said, but still enjoy every little beat and moment along the path. Uh, but I wouldn't be able to experience anything, any of that, if it weren't for you too. So I just wanted to say thank you again for casting me
2: good
1: job dude excellent work by all three of you and the rest of the cast and um, listeners I hope you enjoyed this episode and again it's out now because Ansel talked about March 1st this episode's coming out later in March so this is already what he talked about would be the past and the movie is readily available you can watch it right now as soon as this podcast is over go home find it he said search it out there and support it. And I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did watching it. And it's just as much as they did making it. And thank you all again for being on the show.
2: Thank you. Thank, thank you,
1: Steven. Hope everybody enjoyed that talk about Todd Tarantula and um, some other things that they've done in their careers. Um, just a reminder again, the next episode is going to be our review of the movie Todd Tarantula. Where I'll be joined with Jeff Owens from the classic cars club podcast. And we'll be talking about that. Also, to remind everybody that we've been nominated for a Rondo Award for Best Podcast, so if you're interested in voting for us, um, it's simply you send an email to the guy that runs it, put down on the subject, Rondo ballot, and the thing, you just put down Diecast Movie Podcast for Best Podcast. The email address and all that stuff is on our Facebook page or in the show notes to this episode, so you can easily just look right there and it'll explain it step-by-step how to vote for it. And also, if you want, you can look at the whole ballot. There's multiple categories, multiple things being nominated, and you can go and pick and choose other things that you want to vote for also. But I want to thank everybody for the support and for listening to this episode. One thing we did mention during this um, show was Ansel's movie that he also did with Kelly Kitko and David Selby, Loon Lake. So to exit this episode, we're going to hear the trailer for that. And again, that movie is available on Tubi and Amazon Prime. So feel free to go watch that if you want to get a little bit of more of the psychological horror type movies. Thanks again. Hope everybody has a good day. Bye.
0: Kind friend, beware as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I as I am now. So you must be. Prepare yourself to follow me.
4: Son, what's bugging you? I've seen that look you have in your eyes before. It's never a good thing. It's God's will. He's testing us. You believe this?
3: is a test.
4: I must believe it. There's no witch. She was just some poor girl.
3: You want to know the truth?
4: crazy things.